0: Hashtag Never Alone with Joe and Mark
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Hashtag Never Alone Season 3 Episode 2. I am your lived experience host Joe Ambridge.
0: And I am Psychotherapist and Relationship Counsellor Mark Fielding and Joe's co-host.
1: Welcome back for another episode. We are discussing the topic mental breakdowns which can be the cause of uh, loss of mental health issues or can be caused by mental health issues. Um, we were due to have a guest today, but we haven't had a response, so I will be talking about my personal experience, and we'll be talking about strategies and um, ways to start your road to recovery from um, a mental breakdown. Um, Mark, can you tell us about mental breakdowns?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think mental breakdowns are, you know, very individual um, and can happen for, you know, a, a multitude of reasons, really. Um I mean, it's difficult really to, you know, to kind of pinpoint particular reasons, because I think people just reach a a crisis point for, you know, for so many complex reasons. I mean, it could be that, you know, trauma, you know, previously in their life gets re-triggered in the present. I mean, it can be things like workplace bullying. I mean, it it can be a host of things. I mean, it can also be, you know, a lot of people have a kind of coping strategy of internalising uh, and it's not gender specific, you know, but, you know, a lot, of, but that being said, a lot of men do tend to, tend to do this and, and people can internalise, 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 internalise. Like people can do that for years until one day they can't do that anymore. And then, you know, they can end up, you know, having a kind of mental breakdown. So, yeah, it, it it's very, very complex and individual, I think I would say.
1: Yeah, that's definitely my, my thing. I think the few times I had a mental breakdown was, um, uh... Usually it's been probably a build-up of stuff and then something else has triggered it, like the tiny little sort of things triggered it, and pushed me over the edge and not been able to cope or function really. I think first time I had one was I think I probably had more than I realized, but like probably the first proper one I had was when I was 18. I was trying to explain to people that there was something wrong with me and no one was really listening. Um and I went to the doctors to see what was causing all these health issues I was having. Like lightheadedness stuff like that dizzy spells um and I went to the doctor and he diagnosed me with anxiety and depression and um I was really struggling to tell my parents all the stuff that had happened like as I've mentioned in previous episodes like self farming and stuff like that um so I got my mum to come into the doctors with me and get the doctor to explain it um what was going on and then it was nice to kind of finally have some professional kind of Back up that there was definitely something wrong with me. Um, another one I probably had more recently, so I don't want to talk about every single breakdown I've had, but more recently was a few years ago when um, I was I first moved over here. Um, and obviously, it was in a different environment. I just finished therapy, just a build up of stuff, and I wasn't communicating there was stuff wrong with me because I didn't want to admit there was something wrong with me, and I didn't want to bother my friends or family thinking that I'll. Oh, Maybe I'd made the wrong choice moving out here because I was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, everything built up, and then the timing little thing kind of pushed me over the head, uh, over the edge, and ended up in probably one of the worst <laughs> worst phases of my life. Going through that, having to spend a bit of time in the mental health facility um, for three nights. Um, Transitioning onto different medications and then transitioning to come back to London and then having all the delays. We, we had a cyclone and the, no one would take me on the flights because they thought I was a flight risk. Um, and then we had a cyclone, so I couldn't fly over that way. So our flight got cancelled. So we were just getting more and more delayed and it was just pushing me further and further into this kind of pit of despair and like inability to function. I couldn't even go out and enjoy things, I wasn't eating properly. Um, um yeah it's like it was a really hard time not being able to function and just wanted to do stuff that you can do and then not be able to enjoy anything like my parents were here and we were in the city and so has spent a bit of time in the city before moving home and i just gonna eat i can I, I was sleeping a lot which was <laughs> only one of, one of the good things that was actually going to yeah but spending that time in the mental health thing kind of it, it kind of pushed me in that direction to not let myself get back into that space um put together like a relapse prevention plan when I came back to I went back to London and I had therapy on my therapy for six weeks and I did a self-esteem workshop and we put together a relapse prevention plan to see what the triggers were that caused me to have the breakdown in the first place um, one of those not being one of them being communication not communicating there was mm-hmm. something wrong with me um, I obviously have a, an ability to notice when something up or when my medication is not up or something caused it so I actually go and get the help now which I, a lot of people probably don't realise because they don't have that, they've not gone through the stuff to uh, notice the triggers or notice what's causing it or why that there's something wrong and that is a lot of causes of mental breakdowns um, a lot of mine have been breakdowns of relationships where I've broken up with a girlfriend Um when I broke up with my ex when we went on a night out um and I saw her dance with another thing I was fine I was like I was fine to be friends and then the minute I saw her dance with someone else that were really like and then someone mistook me for someone else I think her technicality and drinks probably didn't help but someone must mm-hmm. some girl mistook me for someone else and then realized who it wasn't wasn't who she thought it was and then someone else was laughing and I was already in like the state of mind that I wasn't in a happy mood seeing my ex dance with someone else and that pushed me over the edge and I couldn't stop crying. Um that was another example. But yeah, it's not a nice place to be in when you have a mental breakdown, you? you kind of feel like you can't function. There's no answers to the questions you have or no answers to get you back on track. Um and you always have that thoughts in your head like I had suicidal thoughts like I wanted to end my life because I felt numb and felt like there was no way I was going to get back to normality.
0: And that feeling of, you know, of not being able to cope. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, what what it's difficult things to explain what that feeling is, Joe, I know. But I mean, what would you say? I mean, what is that? I mean, this is a feeling it's going to be very, very, I think, familiar to a lot of people. But what, what was that feeling like for you when you kind of wake up one morning and think, oh, God, I, I, I can't cope. I can't live my life.
1: But it's, um, I think I was the examples. One of the breakdowns I had was I wasn't very well, and when I was like telling me I had to go to work, I need to go to work because so it couldn't be off sick. Um, and I think internally I was feeling mentally unwell, and that was triggering me to feel physically unwell. Um, yeah. And that's why I didn't want to go to work, and then I just broke down I just burst into tears. I was like, I don't want to go to work. I can't. I'm struggling. I went to saw like an emergency therapist and everything. That's what got me on track to go and do um, the therapy before I moved to Australia. Um, I think I had a lot of stuff going on with working and stuff and friendships and stuff that had broken down because of other stuff that d- happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just almost like this numbness in your stomach. And then almost like, even though terrible to go through it's almost like this relief that all this emotion is coming out and then sometimes it's just really hard to control Um, and you just know know when it's going to end so it makes it worse
0: and and are there feelings I mean I I mean are there feelings of shame as well I mean I think this is also quite common people that you know reach a point where which is again is you know I have to say it's really really common reach a point where they can't cope they often feel quite ashamed really uh, of that you know I just wonder maybe that was true for you Joe maybe that wasn't but was, was there any kind of shame really around it for you at the time?
1: Uh, I think for me, I had more of a. I can see where other people would have felt that. I kind of just had this one track mind of why is this happening to me? Yeah. I didn't really care what anyone else thought. It was more about what's going on with me. I need this yeah. to stop and how do I get it to stop? Like when I had my breakdown before, when I moved to Australia and I had that breakdown, um, all I wanted was paying to start and this yeah. horrible numbness in my brain um so um, the only answer in my head was there was, was the suicidal thoughts and yeah um i'm obviously now i'm glad that i didn't go through with it because my life's a lot better i'm in a better place mentally and i've come a long way since then but and it's obviously led me to do the podcast as well which has been one of the good yeah. things to come out of it but I can see where people would feel shame because you feel like you're being a burden on people I did feel that sometimes that I was being a burden on people because obviously your struggles then impacting on them as well like uh, especially with my parents when my parents were here and they were it like, easing me into going back home it was a uh, took a massive took a massive toll on them I mean it's made my relationship with my dad a lot better but Mm -hmm. it's taken a big part it took a big toll on them where they would get to the point where they were struggling and they didn't know what to do. Um and I felt I was felt embarrassed and stuff that I was having that impact on my parents and I felt bad but at the same Mm -hmm. time I couldn't help it. I was interested now I can't couldn't help it but at the time I was like all I was thinking about was myself and how I could get this pain to stop. How can I get away from this pain.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess the suicidal ideation comes in. This is your mind trying to find a way out, isn't it? I mean, this is yeah. you, know, you, you, you know you didn't do, you didn't you know listen to what your mind was telling you at that time, which is which is you know obviously you know a really really positive thing. You're in a much better place now. But I guess at those, those times you just feel there's no other way out. I guess the self-harming really is also yeah. that, isn't it? It's just trying to find some release, really, you know, from all the overwhelm.
1: I think one of the other turning points for me as well was being in the mental health clinic and seeing them was people with like a late girl chucking chairs there was a guy that was like mm-hmm. in the wheelchair that he couldn't function that they had to wheel him in on the wheelchair and there was people in there that were worse than me I kind of almost felt like I was even though I was in the right place at the time I kind of felt like I was in a prison because even though we had this guard little garden area it was just really high walls because obviously you couldn't get out all the doors were locked by keycard and stuff and almost It was a relief to get out of there, Mm. and even though it was me that said that I wanted to go in there and be out of the way just for my health, I kind of at the time when I was in there, I was regretting saying I wanted to go in there. But I think I didn't know where else I could have been to get better.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could you said this on the show many times, show, haven't you? That you know, I guess you it, it. you you've said that that it was the right place for you at that time, really. You, you, I mean, obviously, you wanted to get out, and you did get out, and you did get much better. But but you said many times on the show that actually it was helpful, really, looking yeah. back. Yeah, it's, it was
1: a turning point, and it was something that I kind of always, if I'm struggling, I that's why I communicate because I don't want to end up back in that place because. Even though it was a good thing and there's no, no shame in being in there, I always am embarrassed that I've spent time in that place. Like even though I shouldn't do, I do feel embarrassed sometimes that I've been in that place because <laughs> normally when you watch TV shows or stuff like that, people that end up in their place in the place like people that have lost their mind and stuff, and obviously that's not the case in real life and stuff. So that's not real life. People, no. that anyone can end up there with mental health issues, and it's the best place to be for people it helps you get on the right track and helps you figure yeah. out what, what's wrong and what's the best thing for you but obviously at that time I was like I don't want to be in here why am I in here I'm not, yeah. not that bad I'm not as bad as some of the other people in here
0: and but then, and, and then it is also the stick, you know I mean I'm bringing in like stigma of mental health you know I mean if you in, I mean say you'd I mean you know god forbid but say you'd been you have broken both your legs in a skiing accident or something and you're in you're in hospital so, you know, that's a completely acceptable, isn't it? You know, you're in hospital, but if you have a, you know, if you have a mental health issue and you have to go to hospital and have an inpatient stay, the stigma around that, it's completely, it shouldn't be any different really, should it? But, you know, but it's so stigmatized, isn't it? You know, in, in, in society, kind of less so now, but still, you know, the two things should be the same. Really, yeah. I mean, they are the same, aren't they? Just because one's for mental health and one is for physical health, it shouldn't really make any difference. Really.
1: Yeah, I think when people think of medical hospitals, you think of stuff like the padded room, which right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of TV shows and the film. Yeah.
0: Uh, but
1: yeah. it's not, unless you're like really, really bad and you're a threat to yourself, you're going to put all probably like a serial killer that's got lost your mind So you're not gonna end up yeah. in a added room it's really not like that it's normally just a risk-free building of this stuff at the time you're obviously supervised 24 7 because you might be at risk to yourself or risk to others yeah. there's always someone there to talk to which is really helpful um but at the time I always thought, Oh, what are my friend's gonna think, my friends are gonna think, Oh I've got a screw loose or something like that. But yeah. you know, they were really good about it. They were really nice. So like you did the right thing by going there. And like, I've got friends here that helped, used to help on the podcast, that had done been through the same thing, like and they volunteered to go in there themselves. They knew it was the right place to go i'm not saying then, that to everyone yeah. if you have a breakdown it's yeah. not always the right thing you don't always have to go into mental health clinic sometimes it might be the best thing if you're arrested yourself or you're suicidal mm. that's probably the best way but even just going to see a therapist or going to see the doctor and talking about it or going to a workshop thing for mental health is the best way to get to kind of recovery is that's what i did i went and did the mental health clinic i saw a psychologist i went came out of the clinic and saw a psychologist a few times um well I was a therapist a few times and then I went home and I had six weeks of therapy to get myself back on track to make sure I was in a stable condition to come back to Australia and then I did like a five-week self-esteem workshop and even then I wasn't fully 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 recovered but mm. I was in a better place I had a real, like, pre- prevention plan to avoid the stuff that would triggered it and caused it I communicated a lot more
0: and learned a lot of lessons
1: from it so mental break, breakdowns aren't anything to be ashamed about. It's part no. of the human it's a human thing to happen. Um it's can sometimes be a turning point that could be beneficial for yourself. It was a massive turning point for me that kind of helped me get my life back on track and get myself in a better place mentally like I'm um, I'm happy where I am now. I've got my own place and engaged somewhere where but well, when I had that breakdown I would never see myself back in that position. I would have thought I was going to be stuck in London and when I went back to London all I was thinking about was coming back to Australia and that's probably what made my journey a bit harder to get back to where I was but I'm definitely in a lot better place mentally that I notice when something's wrong which has been really helpful and I communicate or I talk to someone like I'm more open with my friends about mental health now I'm more open with my family. There's, if I don't want to tell one person something I'll go and talk to someone else like if I don't want to talk to my partner about something I'll go and talk to her mum or I'll talk to her sister about it and that secret's safe with them and they push me in the right mm-hmm. direction and eventually I might open up and tell my partner or I might tell someone my mum or something
0: and, and, and I have to say you know noticing triggers I mean it, it, that, that that's massive isn't it I mean to noticing. know after everything you've been through you know in terms of you know really really kind of you know keeping your recovery on track noticing the triggers i think is so key it's it's mindfulness really isn't it you're just looking in you're reflecting thinking am i okay what's going on you know how am i feeling it's you know so so important i think you know and noticing triggers generally you know i mean after kind of mental breakdown but i think for everyone generally we all have our triggers don't we and if i think if they go unnoticed then you know they go uncared for don't they so i I think i think that's massive really personally noticing the triggers because then you can get help talk to someone whatever whatever it is you use your coping strategies
1: yeah even stuff for me like um as I've mentioned previously on the podcast, being diagnosed with BPD, like I came back and then I was struggling. It came back to Australia and then I was struggling against that no job, and just, my vacation wasn't working. But this time, instead of ignoring it and carrying on and pretending that I was never wrong, I went and got it, it had, like handled, and I went and saw a psychiatrist, and they diagnosed me with BPD, which kind of made a lot of sense because. My mood originally, I just thought the mood stuff feels like I've got this I thought the mood stuff was related to that, yeah. And then I got diagnosed with BPD, and it just made sense that these were, were causing a lot of the issues that were making me having all these outbursts and mental breakdowns and stuff. That my mood was just fluctuating up and down, yeah. Um, and now, like, I'm having an issue with something, or I have an argument with a partner, I'll step back. Even if like I'll know when I'm in the wrong, and I'll step back and I'll just go either go don't take a walk or just step and back and like wait a bit and then go back and apologise and admit that I've done something wrong or stuff like that. Like i a lot more, I notice a lot more when something's wrong or when I'm in the wrong or when it's time to stay take a step back to not let that outburst happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I, you know, the stepping back, you know, I mean, the, the stepping back, I'm also, re- you know, again, reading that as mindfulness, I mean, you're just watching your own process, aren't you, you know, so maybe, you know, the, the, the strong emotion is coming up, you know, but it's not taking you over, you know, there's a bit of space where you're thinking, okay, what's going on here? Is this okay? Is this not okay? And then just making a choice, like, I'm just going to step back for a minute, and I'm going to come back. I mean, you know, that, I mean, it sounds like such a small mechanism, but I think it's massive, Joe, isn't it? The ability to do that, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it can avoid, it helps avoid a lot of escalation. And sometimes Mm. if things can escalate, they can then lead to having more issues and stuff. And then that can end up being another, leading to another mental breakdown, really. So for me, taking a step back, going, maybe taking the dog for a walk, getting away, going back, thinking about what was said, or what was done and then thinking, do I need to apologise or do we need to sit and discuss these things has been a lot better. Um, even talking to my um, psychologist the other day saying how far I've come and noticing the things that are causing me to be stressed or anxious and then discussing them and then finding ways to deal with them.
0: Been and again, the noticing. Yeah, I mean, again, the notice, you know. I mean, I, I mean, plenty of people, you know, and this is, you know, not criticism of people's people's combs churches, but you know, but I, plenty of people just don't notice the build up, do they? You know, I guess, you know, stress can build, stress builds, but I mean, maybe there's something with work, maybe there's something with home, maybe there's something else comes in, something else comes in, something else comes in, but but the not noticing, I think, leaves people in a place where. You know, they, they they get they reach a critical mass support point, don't they? And they're so full up of stress that then maybe a small thing happens in their life and bang, you yeah. know, overwhelmed. I mean, the checking in and the noticing, I think, is is so important really. I and so and it, it takes time, doesn't it, to get to that place.
1: Right? especially with men as well. I feel like yeah. you build it up and you try to keep it aside and keep it to yourself because you're trying to be strong, and you're not look weak, as we've mentioned before. In like previous episodes, you try and keep it to yourself because you don't want to, like a weak person, and right, I'll just handle it or just go away. And that was one of the things that caused like my breakdown when I was in like a few years ago in London, and stuff after I'd broke I'd broken up with ex like a few months before. I'd had all this stuff happen with work and um, one of my friends, um, and I kind of just got on with it because I'd matured a bit and thought I'll just get on with it, i ignore it. But it was just tiny little things that were ticking away at me constantly. and I'm just ignoring, like, it's fine, I'll be the bigger person. And then... Mm. it just got to a kind of breaking point, and then that just led me to have the breakdown. But I'm kind of lucky in the fact that my mum's a nurse, and I also mentioned before in the episode that she was a nurse, that she straight away went and just put me a therapist appointment um, and drove me to to the therapist appointments to go and see the therapist um and even like my sister's mess like my sister messaged me I think my mum must have told her or something my sister messaged me to see how I was and rang me which was really nice um but I think it's build up things a lot of time with metal breakdown and when you try to kind of just push it inside and it builds and builds and builds it's almost like a Jenga tower build your genie down and you put it out bits one at a time and yeah. eventually it just all claps, collapses and that's one of the problems with mental health because there's that stigma especially around men yeah and high expectations of people to have this thing be strong don't be weak mental health is weak and you know, stuff like that i think it's something that needs to go away that is one of the main causes of breakdowns the fact that people try to be strong and not it's not always the answer
0: yeah i totally agree with you something we've talked a lot about on the show isn't it yeah and it's not gender specific you know this completely better yeah but i think men are encouraged to internalize aren't they you know you could be strong you know i mean this is also a massive generalization but you know men's groups i mean what, what do you do when you meet up with your mates you know you maybe watch sport have beer i mean it I think it's slightly changing, you know, but having more conversations, I think, with your with your male friends around mental health, I think, is key. I think these conversations are happening more. I mean, more men, you know, more male celebrities are coming out, but I do think there's still a way to go. Because I guess this kind of stuff, you know, it's drummed into men from the minute we're born, isn't it? Be strong, you know, man up, you know, don't talk about your feelings. So damaging, isn't it? I mean... There's a masculinity all... things as
1: well, masculinity. Yeah. Energy, like, that masculine energy especially when you were friends like whenever I go meet up with my friends go and watch the football um or soccer in Australia yeah <laughs> you know, watch it and you just have that energy of masculinity and stuff because you're with your male friends and you have that expectation that you're going to talk about football you're going to talk about men's stuff maybe talk about girls stuff or like that you're not going to yeah. think oh you know what let's talk about mental health unless someone says I'm struggling it's not going to be a topic that comes up no I mean, in my friendship group, even though I don't really see them often, sort they halfway across the world, it's been a lot we're a lot better now talking about mental health, and especially since I started doing the podcast and we did the films and stuff, um, people are more open talking about mental health and when they're struggling, and that's where I, I feel like I can come in and kind of give them advice, but not kind of say, oh, I did this, I did that which is one thing I've learned as well don't tell them oh I did this I did that it'll be the same thing for you because it's not one true, one size fits all it's this might work for you or there's the option to do this if it works for you it might work for you or you can try this because there are options out there because I think a lot of people have that issue where you say oh I did this try it it's not always going to work for the same person because everyone's different all unique individuals
0: yeah, and it, and everyone needs to find their own coping strategies, don't they? I I think, you know, and I mean, just to kind of just to connect with what you're saying about men's groups, you know, just to add something else. Yeah, you know, I mean, I look at my men's group groups. I mean, I'm a therapist, you know. You think maybe there'd be more conversations with my mates around mental health, but but there aren't. You know, men will tend to, you know. Kind of, I don't know, have a go at each other, and you know, it's all kind of banter. There's so much banter in men's groups, isn't there? Mm-hmm. You know, but it is interesting when you actually open a conversation about mental health. thought like if one of you, know, one of your friends says, "Oh, I'm not feeling so good," it's amazing how you know that can really open a conversation, you know, that that perhaps there's lots going on, you know, that the men in the group want to talk about, but they just don't feel that the group dynamic allows them to. It's so much easier, I think, with with men. Again, a massive generalisation, but one-to-one, you know, if you're one-to-one with a friend, those conversations are much more likely, where if you're in a male group, those conversations are much, much less likely to happen, Joe. Do do you think? Yeah, I
1: definitely find that. I remember one example, my friend Will, who's been on the podcast, we were in Magaloo, and one of my friends was just being really annoying the whole holiday and just picking on me and just calling it banter and stuff and it was just really annoying me. And me and Will went on a night out just by ourselves just to go a little pub call and I just sat and chatted for, to him for ages and said, oh, no, I'm not really happy with the way he's treating me on holiday and trying to enjoy myself. Because um, mm-hmm. at the time, I, I was way different to a lot of my friends. I didn't get with a lot of girls, which is a big expectation for men, like getting with all these girls. I was quite happy not to or more interested in doing relationships yeah. and that was kind of seen as a negative thing sometimes with my friendship groups that I wasn't I always didn't get with as many girls with them I didn't pull all the time but it was just something I wasn't always interested in I just rather find a relationship or find the right girl and settle down and that was a thing and I said that to Will and yeah. Will went and just literally said to him my friends the next day, like, like settle down and kind of Leave him alive he's quite happy to do his own thing and he said to me i know you're not like that and i'm not going to change my opinion about you. you you're free to do your own thing you don't need to go and get with girls if you if that's something that you don't really care about doing everyone else is different
0: it's kind of toxic masculinity isn't it you know i mean that's i don't have a conversation but you know, arguably, toxic masculinity is you know, responsible for the world we, li- you know, the world we live in. Some of the ills that you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, things are slightly changing, aren't they? But yeah, there's still a lot that. of toxic. There's still a lot of toxic masculinity around. I mean, what what kind of coping strategies do you use? that Just segueing into something maybe slightly different. What kind of coping strategies do you use day to day to kind of scaffold your mental health, Joe? What, what do you do?
1: Communication is very key if I'm struggling enough talk to someone especially my partner my partner's very good because she has her own has her own issues sometimes I hope she doesn't mind saying but like um I talk to her a lot about things I've got quite a good support network which is handy like my but even though I'm half across the world like I have my girl my partner's family who are really good to, to talk to I'll go and take the dog for a walk I'll play a video game I'll talk to my friends because we've got like a friendship. I've got like a little WhatsApp group with my male friends. Um, and I'll we'll talk about stuff and I'm and I'll tell them, oh, I'll have a great day. And they'll yeah. say, oh, Do you want to come on the play PlayStation or something? We'll have a chat. Um, but yeah, communication is very key for me. I think talking to people about it, it helps so much. It gets such a way off your chest and you kind of don't have to internalize it um i think having all that that experience of having the breakdowns helped massively to talk about things knowing what to do and what the right thing is to do to help mental health do stuff i enjoy like i've been getting back into script writing because i've not been working so enough i had covered last week just doing stuff that i enjoy, like script writing watching films watching tv show playing video games sitting and chatting to my partner about stuff going to the cinema stuff like that it's really be active if you can. I mean, it, I know it's hard to function sometimes when you've got mental health, but even just pushing yourself just to go and do a walk, even if it's just the end of the street, helps massively. Like, I yeah. take my dog for a walk, but we don't do a massive walk all the time. Like, this week or so, like, because I've been off, because like, I'd just recovered from COVID and just had my last week on my job. I went and did a big walk with my dogs and found, like, a local area because we moved a few months ago and went and, looked at the part that i've not really seen much of is it's, it's a massive part that goes over like three suburbs went over there with the dogs and then walked back and i felt so much better
0: yeah and and uh, you know i'm and I'm a big 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 fan of of uh, exercise for mental health yeah and exercise yeah i mean it can be anything you know it can be a gym it can be a 5k run but but just walking in the park, I think, is enough. And like you know, I really resonate with what you say about getting out, Joe. So important, isn't it? I think if people have depression, you know, the depression system don't go out, just stay indoors. But you know, but the most important thing is to try and get out and flow a life, even if it's a walk around the block. You know, just getting some fresh air, feeling like you're in the flow of life. You know, and if you can. Go for a much longer walk. It doesn't have to be a frantic walk. It can be a slow walk, you know, round a park, around nature. You know, I mean, that is even better. I mean, I, you know, in terms of my coping strategies, I mean, I, I try and do that every day. I mean, I go for a mental health walk every day. You know, and I can notice the effect on my mood immediately. I mean, I, if I if I wake up, maybe I'm feeling anxious or maybe I'm I'm tired or whatever you know i can go out for you know for an hour or something or you know walk i'm lucky there's quite a lot of nature around here so i can go for a walk in nature and i come back and and i feel completely different you know i mean exercise and mental health i think is so it's so important to get exercise i think it's a really good coping strategy i do a gratitude diary every day been doing that for years i think that is really really good um i meditate every day um i mean that i found really really good i mean that's not a quick fix but i think over time meditation is really really good for you yeah, it helps you kind of take control of your own process and and also talking joe i mean i'm the same you know i mean i i, I you know i talk to talk to friends you know i talk to talk talk to my wife um yeah, and, and if there's a time when I need to talk to a professional, then I'll just go into therapy. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'm, I've had lo- multiple periods of therapy in my life, and, you know. And sometimes you need to talk to a professional, right? And, you know, and that yeah. can be really helpful as well.
1: Even just sitting in the garden can help sometimes because it's just that yeah. fun
0: there.
1: Like yeah. I went to the footy today, and even just going and having that atmosphere of being with all these people enjoying the sport. And your team on just helps so much for your mental health it makes you feel good because you have that positive energy coming in from your team winning or having that energy from the atmosphere of other people because you feed yeah. it, it, you do feed off of other people's energy sometimes especially like someone like me who's quite empathetic like I feed off of other people's energy even if I'm having a good day and someone else is sad yeah. then I'll stop feeling sad because they're sad and I feel like I need to automatically help them like Going to sport and watching stuff like that, and then some people cheering, and you have the atmosphere, and then the people chanting at the end of the game is it just makes you feel good because you're feeling off that positive energy of others.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm like that as well. I mean, I, 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 I pick up on other people's energy, you know, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes, that, you know, it is difficult to manage. But yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, going out and I don't know, getting exhilarated, you know, getting the dopamine hit. I guess that's what's going on in your brain. You know, being in. You know in a really positive group dynamic whether that would be sport or i mean that could be kind of a number of things couldn't it? it could be a religious group i mean it could be you know many many things yeah really really important because if you the kind of person that picks up on that energy then try and be around positive energy and pick that up yeah yeah,
1: yeah. um as you we were discussing for the start of the podcast and stuff or before we started recording uh is mental health awareness week this week is it this coming week in yeah the-
0: it is yeah mental health awareness week is um is, is this coming week in the uk um and yeah i mean it's a really really important week um i mean obviously mental health awareness is important you know all the time it doesn't have to be that week but i think just putting the spotlight onto mental health i think is really really positive uh and i, and I think we've done that today joe haven't we really yeah um I've talked Absolutely. about it and yeah but yeah um,
1: especially this week, like if you don't know much about mental health, it's worth looking into and kind of learning more about. Um, and if you do notice your friend struggling, as like there's a thing here called, are you okay day? But like if you do notice a friend struggling or maybe not seeming like himself, check in with him, just ask him if he's okay. Cause that conversation could just be a, it could be a conversation opener and it might lead to him, them, him or her opening up. Um, and getting on the right track to kind of recovering and might prevent them to getting to the point where they have a mental breakdown which obviously this episode was about um yeah I was um I heard a really good advert that's been on tv or on radio recently it's a guy with anxiety and he's doing the presentation he's talking about anxiety and he's struggling to get his words out and he's like what and it's like Anxiety is talking about how anxiety can make struggle, and what you're thinking might not be what they're thinking. So, you might Mm. be doing a lot better than you actually are, and then they're thinking, Oh, he's doing a good job, but you're obviously not going to be thinking that, which is a really good advert. It's nice to hear those sort of things on the radio.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think if you are, you know, if you are in a very, very dark place, you know, and you are struggling to manage, you know, struggling to manage, you know, suicidal ideation or just struggling to manage really struggling to manage you know gp go and see your gp i mean gp services can offer you can get you know cbt in in the uk and gp services you know i think are much better than they used to be in terms of dealing with mental health you know and if you really are in crisis go to a I mean a you know i mean a is for mental health crisis as well as you know physical injury so i mean they're really really good yeah. and then just as you always say joe just to open up conversations with people if you're not you know if you feel a friend is not okay ask them you know reach out to them give them the opportunity to talk about it. it's so important
1: yeah um before we wrap up i just want to say that anyone's been affected by any of the topics that we've discussed in this episode um please reach out to um uh, like a friend or family or professional we have every time we share the episodes on social media we do include the links to get like every country's helplines or the best people to contact um for well, Australia you can call triple zero or you can call go to local therapist or in the UK um triple nine I can't remember <laughs> I've not been left there for a long time
0: um yeah it is yeah or, or you know the, the, the Samaritan's sh- yeah, you can contact you can contact Samaritans. I mean, Samaritans have yeah, kind of different helplines. Okay. Go to A and E. Contact your GP. Um, and you know, if you're in crisis, you know, A and E probably is the best place. Or you know, some GPs run out of other services. You know, but just 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 really reach out. You know, and and, and in terms of you know, the, I mean, the podcast hashtag Never Alone. You know, just remember, you're never alone. There's always someone available that can help you that you can talk to.
1: Yeah, well, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening um, and thank you to Mark for helping co host yet again. We'll be back soon with another episode. Um, I'm not sure when yet, but I will post on social media when it comes. To this, and hopefully we can get the guest on that we were <laughs> supposed to have on another day. day. Um, but yeah, thank you for everyone that's tuned in so far this season. Um, and hopefully we can reach 2.5k soon. Thank you, everyone.
0: Bye. Okay. You, Bye.